This week's episode is sponsored by our friends over at Sovereign Financial. Mike Cuckle and Will Hines are incredibly gifted at taking care of you and your investments. They both are good friends, and I trust them with my family's future. They not only focus on your ROI, but they also do in-depth research and investigation so you can rest assured that you are only investing in like-minded companies. They call it biblically responsible investing. You can reach out to them at SovereignFIN.com. Again, that's SovereignFIN.com to make an appointment. And if you tell them you heard about them on this podcast, they will give you a free portfolio review and consultation. Welcome to the I Say All That to Say This podcast, an outreach of Impact Sports International. We seek to use sports as a vehicle to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the hard to reach, the lost, and the forgotten. Whether that is just 10 minutes down the road or on the other side of the world, here's your host, John Andrews. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Say All That to Say This podcast. I'm your host, John Andrews. Uh, Today we're interrupting our series Uh, that we've been running called Coaching is Leadership and Leadership is Coaching to bring you a very special episode with my friend and PGA pro Jay Haas. Jay has graciously served as the host of our annual Impact Sports Golf Invitational every year since we started. The 2021 version of said golf tournament is coming up next month on Monday, October 4th at Carolina Country Club in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Registration closes on Thursday, September 23rd, and we're filling up fast. We would love for you guys to join us this year. And even if you can't join us, there are various ways to sponsor the event if you'd like. All the necessary info can be found on our website, www.impactsportsonline.org golf. Again, that's impactsportsonline.org golf. Um, we'd love to have you join us on October 4th. But before going into full-time ministry, I was a high school teacher and a coach. And mine and Jay's relationship began way back then, but it was a parent-teacher relationship. I taught or coached his three oldest children. And so once I moved into full-time ministry, it seemed like we were free to become friends and no longer had to have that division between parent and teacher. Through the years, there are several things that have always struck me about Jay. Number one is his humility. No matter the accolades, no matter if he knows you or not, Jay always treats people like they've been friends forever. Jay and I try to get together every few months to catch up, and while we're at lunch or breakfast, people will inevitably stop by and interrupt our conversation and say, Hey, Jay, I remember seeing you at fill-in-the-blank, name a tournament or an interview, or I know so-and-so who you're friends with, and trying to make that connection. And Jay is always engaging, and after a lot of those interruptions, those folks would walk away, and I'd look at Jay, and I'd say, You have no idea who that was, do you? And he would sheepishly grin and simply shake his head and say no. The important part is that those people walking away never knew that. I've always told people that if you didn't know who Jay Jay Haas was as a golf legend, you'd never know who Jay Haas is if you only know him as a man, a husband, or a father. So his humility is one of those things that's always struck me. Secondly is his commitment to his family. He's helped his wife Jan raise five great kids. The life of a PGA golfer does not lend itself to strengthening one's marriage or growing a family. Life on the road is hard. I know it's easy to see that you look at these guys on TV and you're like, man, those guys get paid millions of dollars to play golf. I have to pay to play golf and they get paid to play golf. How hard can that be, right? Let me talk to you guys for a minute. If you really care about your family and the well-being of your marriage and your kids... 
Think about how hard it is to try to get away on the weekend and sneak in 18 holes. Now imagine doing that 250 days a year and not just down the street at your local golf club, but all over the U.S. and even all over the world. And having known Jay for more than 20 years, I think that is his best achievement. And I think he would agree. And so do his kids. As Jay was being inducted into the Illinois Sports Hall of Fame back in 2013, yep, Illinois Sports Hall of Fame, his daughter Fran gave a speech. And I found it on YouTube, and it's interesting that she didn't recognize him for any of his accomplishments that anybody else can find on the Internet. She didn't stay, share any of his career stats. She simply said, I'm not a golfer. I was a ballerina. And my, my daddy danced with me in the Nutcracker twice. And she said, you guys can look up all the stats you want, but that's a picture of what a great dad he is. He does more than golf. And someday I hope my kids say something like that as well. Um, I don't think the Nutcracker will be involved, but maybe they look and say, man, my dad was great because he did this. And that was Jay and has always been Jay as his uh, I've just seen his commitment to his family and his family has responded to that commitment as well. And then third is his consistency. He's played professional golf now for more than 40 years. When he finished up his PGA career and began to focus on the Champions Tour about 15 years ago, he was leading the PGA Tour with the most number of cuts made in the history of the tour. For those that aren't golf geeks, let me explain to you what that means. Most tournaments start with about 150 to 175 golfers per week. At the halfway point, which is usually Friday, after two days of playing, they cut that down to 75 or so. So that means that more than anyone else in the history of golf, Jay Haas has been inside the top 50% on Friday night more than anybody else. If that still doesn't click with you, think Cal Ripken or Brett Favre and their consecutive game streaks, a level of sustained excellence unmatched in their respective sports. Jay sets that record, set that record several years ago, and that record still stands, and most golf experts say that it will never be broken. That means he was prepared every week. He carried himself and pursued excellence week in and week out. So the three things that strike me about Jay Haas, the man, one, his humility, two, his commitment to his family, and three, his consistency. But now that I bragged on the man for a few minutes, let me tell you a little bit about the golfer. Here's some of his career highlights. He has nine PGA Tour victories, 14 second-place finishes, 12 third-place finishes. He has 18 Champions Tour victories, 20 second-place finishes, and 18 third-place finishes. Combined between the two over his 40-year career, he has 275 top 10 finishes that means that jay has finished in the top 10 on average one out of every four tournaments he's played in over a 40-year span that's consistency and sustained excellence jay played on three Ryder cup teams in 1983 1995 and 2004 he also played on two president's cup teams in 1994 and 2003 again for those that maybe aren't uh, necessarily golf enthusiast, uh, both the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup are teams chosen to represent the U.S. in international competitions. The Ryder Cup is the U.S. versus all players from Europe, and the President's Cup is the U.S. versus players from all over the world except for Europe. 
Most professional golfers never get a chance to play in one of these events, much less multiple cups. And Jay played in five of them. And get this, his first one, the time difference between his first one and his last one was 20 years. He also served as the assistant captain for the U.S. President's Cup in 2009, 11, and 13. He was named the captain of the 2015 President's Cup team. And here's a cool addition to that. His son, Bill, played on that team for him. Jay's won the Charles Schwab Cup in uh, 2006 and 2008. That's the Champions Tour version of the FedEx Cup, a year-end points race. And then he was named Player of the Year on the Champions Tour in 2006 and 2007. That's a lot. But as I said at the start, the most impressive part of Jay Haas is not his career accomplishments. It's who Jay is as a man. So without further ado, let me welcome my friend, Jay Haas. John, thanks so much for all those kind words. Hard to uh, imagine that it's been that many years that I've played this game. It's been uh, so good to me, met so many great people. I think that's the thing that I've taken taken from it uh, throughout my career, just the people that I've run into and uh, remained friends with uh, for a long, long time. Well, as a uh, former basketball player uh, who has uh, – I, I've I've climaxed and I'm on the way down. Right, my prime is way in the in the rearview mirror. You're playing something that guys tend to play when they retire. Um, has that? How has that factored in being able to do this as long as you've done it and as well as you've done it? Um, I mean, guys get off work and they go play golf. What do you do when you get off work? I, you know, <laughs> I'll occasionally play golf. You know, we have 11 grandchildren now, and some of them have taken up the game and seem to enjoy it a little bit. So that's a, a fun thing to pass that on in, to a second generation now. Right. I, I don't think I got into the game thinking, boy, this is something that I can do for the rest of my life. Although that's what I talk about now when I uh, do junior clinics uh, or, or clinics with family members, whatever it might be. Uh, tell them what a game for a lifetime it is hmm. and was just fortunate enough that I was good at something that I was able to do now for uh, most of my adult life. Uh, you know, going looking back uh, 40 years ago, uh, more than that, I guess, uh, 1977 was my first year on the PGA Tour. And I thought, you know, if I could play this game professionally for 20 years, uh, you know, I'd be in my mid forties yeah. and that's most, mostly what happened to players at that age in their mid forties, they just kind of, uh, their game went South and they started looking for something else to do. So why do you, why do you think that was the case? Uh, I think physically, you know, j just what's the, what's that the case in you in, in for you as a basketball player, you know, you look at, I look at the NBA and watch these guys play and, uh, you know, at 33 and 34, they're saying, wow, this guy's uh, he's about done for. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's a prime years in golf. So uh, that's uh, that's difference. But I but I do think the skills decline a little bit and to play against uh, a 45 year old playing against a 25 year old. It's almost a mismatch. Sure, the 45 year old has uh, much experience, but that's about all they have. And the 25 year old is, you know, uh, going, 
great guns trying to, to establish themselves and they're full force into their profession, uh, single-minded, maybe just got married, uh, you know, they don't have the responsibilities maybe that someone does as they get older. 45-year-olds got kids going to college, you know, right. so there's a lot of uh, things going on in their lives maybe and their priorities change. Uh, but, but now let's fast forward another 22 years from 45. <laughs> here I'm still uh, playing competitively uh, in, you know, all around the country. And that was just kind of by chance that the PGA Tour Champions was developed in the mid 80s, I guess you'd say. And so uh, would have never thought that I would still be playing competitively at this time. And I probably, uh, you know, I don't know what I'd have done. Uh, thank goodness that I didn't have to uh, go to work for a <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, let me ask you this. I, I obviously didn't plan on uh, asking this until you said it, but if your plan was to play until 44, did you have a plan of what your job was going to be after that? What your real uh, job was going to be? Yeah, a, a lot of the guys in that situation that I was aware of, maybe they were either uh, becoming club pros, uh, mm. teaching professionals, maybe hooked on with a corporation. I remember a guy named Dave Stockton who won a couple yeah. of teaching championships and was a great player. Uh, American Airlines was one of his sponsors. And so he was doing outings for American Airlines all around the country and making a nice living at that, you know, yeah. and talk about how good he used to be. So I guess that's <laughs> what you think about doing. But I wasn't crazy about becoming a club professional. Uh, a club pro has no time to himself. He's, right. he's working on all the holidays when people are off. And so mm -hmm. he can't enjoy that part. So it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I was one that maybe didn't think much more than a week in advance. Like, where am I going to play next right. week? And I, I wasn't a great planner. Uh, didn't have a five-year goal, a 10-year goal and things like that. I did have the 20-year plan if I could somehow play that long and make a career out of it and, you know, try to establish myself, my name and all that. But uh, as far as in my 40s and 50s and 60s and beyond, I had no idea. And here I'm 67, you know, and set 75. I don't know what the heck I'm going to be doing. <laughs> I join the game in other capacities. I, I think uh, I think you should become a ranger and just be the guy that rides around the cart and tell everybody to hurry up. You know, I, I think I could do that because as the older I get, the less I worry about what I say to people. <laughs> I was about to say, th there's a correlation. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. There's a correlation between uh, age and bossing people around and not caring what they think about it, I think. Uh, hey, let's let's turn to current events for a second. Did you see the playoff Sunday night with DeChambeau and Peter uh, Cantley? What a what an exciting event. Uh, you know, Patrick made, I don't know, 500 and some feet of putts during yes. the week something like that for those of you golfers who keep up with stats like that that was incredible uh bryson has played well for the last three or four years uh, probably exceeded expectations of a lot of people you know bryson has some different ideas about how to play the game his mm -hmm. irons are all the same length no one else does that and when i say no one it's not like just a few people do it that way no one else does that hmm. so 
he's he's a he's an outlier uh, for sure. Gets it uh, as far or farther than most people that play the game, but he also has a wonderful touch. And here you had two guys who are playing at the top of their game, going toe to toe. Looked like one had the advantage, the other one then had the advantage uh, back and forth. And that putter is the great equalizer. Yeah. So. Uh, more power to Patrick, a wonderful player. You know, it's fun to see any athlete uh, at their finest, uh, you know, whether it be uh, Michael Jordan in the NBA playoffs or LeBron or Barry Bonds or, you know, just the best players in all these different sports when they are at their best. Isn't that fun to see? It's yeah. just uh, wonderful. And right now, PGA Tour Golf uh, has – some really, really good players, good young players, really good ambassadors for the game too. It's uh, it's a fun time uh, for PGA Tour golf and for the golf public to witness what's going on. Well, take us into the mindset. All right, so you've played seventy two holes. Uh, you you've battled this guy. Basically, they battled each other for the last two days. And now you're tied. You play the game totally differently, and you're going head to head with you know with how, a million half or so was the was the winning prize for that tournament. Uh, first place going into the tour championship. You know you, you've got the 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 lead on everybody else heading into the FedEx Cup championship. All that kind of stuff. What's your mindset? And I can picture somebody you know, down one with three seconds ago and they got to make two free throws. But tell us what a golfer right. thinks, because it's not just one shot or it's not just two shots. You've got you've to string it together. What's that look like? How's that feel? Yeah, well, you have to remember, those two guys are playing about as well as they're going to play. So they're at the top of their game. And so neither one is thinking that the other one's going to mess up right. and give them the tournament. So they feel like they have to make a birdie. If hmm. I'm in that situation... I'm not playing for par. I'm trying to make a birdie. And uh, again, if I'm in that situation, I'm playing about as good as I can play. So my concentration is there. My swing is there. I'm getting good breaks. All I can see is good things happening. So right. at the pin, I'm trying to make a birdie. So now if you get two guys doing that. One of them is going to, uh, is going to make that birdie or mm -hmm. chip one in or, or something like that. So, and you kind of saw that, I, I think in one of the, maybe the, I don't know, fourth playoff hole, uh, both of them made birdie on the par three over water, one yeah. six feet, the other one, two feet. Uh, that was a pretty cool scene right there. Like the, the one said, wow, take that. And then the other guy, <laughs> said, yeah, this. that's, that's a pretty cool thing. And, you know, the mindset is, though, in, in that situation, I believe, is to just go for it. And really, the se second place is wonderful. At the start of the week, would you have taken that? You know, probably. But once you get to that point, that's all a player is thinking about is holding that trophy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let me go beyond what just happened and talk about what's going to happen. The Ryder Cup is coming up at the end of the month. Uh, you've played on three, as I mentioned before. You've also played on two Presidents Cup teams, and uh, and then you've been the captain or the assistant captain in four more. So you've, if my math is right, that's nine of these international events that you've been a part of, uh, either as player or coach. How do those competitions compare to your normal week in week out tournament? Yeah, you know it, it's golf, 
and you're trying to beat your opponent and things like that, but they are about as far apart as you can get. The week-to-week grind that we go through, almost every one of those tournaments are metal play, stroke play tournaments. Right. And, you know, you've got a first, second, third on down uh, to the 70th place, say. At a PGA, at a, at a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup, you're head-to-head uh, each day, each match. And so there's a kind of a winner and a loser. They do have half points and all that, but it's basically – uh, if you had Bryson and Patrick going down the stretch there in that playoff, that's kind of what uh, the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup are like. So you've got uh, four matches in the morning, four matches in the afternoon on Friday for the Ryder Cup. Uh, you've got four in the morning, four in the afternoon on Saturday. And each one of those is kind of like a playoff event, an 18-hole playoff, I guess you'd say, right. uh, for for a tournament. Now, the thing that's difficult is if you're not playing great uh, at the BMW tournament last week and you finish 40th, there's really not a lot of pressure. You know, right. you're, you're down the stretch. You're maybe trying to figure something out for this week or, mm-hmm. or the or two weeks later. You're trying to figure something out that may work under pressure, experiment a few different times. You know, if you're in a, a head-to-head match in the Ryder Cup, there's no tomorrow, you know, right. you've got this match. There's just so much pressure involved. Now let's add in the fact that you're playing for your country. You're not mm. just playing for you and your family and things like that. And your legacy, it, this is about, uh, you know, they play that national anthem. They they're screaming USA, USA on the first tee and the hair standing up on the back of my <laughs> goosebumps on my arms, you know, and I still get it today thinking yeah. about, and it's just nothing quite like that. In a regular tournament, they say on the tee, Jayhaas, boom, mm-hmm. play away. You hit your drive and you walk down the fairway, no big deal. And you have a little conversation with the players you're playing with. In the in the Ryder Cup, President's Cup, uh, not much conversation <laughs> between the two opponents. Nothing. There's no hate involved sure. or anything like that. But certainly, again, there's a winner and a loser. And the, we don't want to be losers. Right. You know, we we don't want to shake hands and hang our head. You know, yeah. we want to win that match. So they're quite different. And I'm sure the you people in the audience today, they've played in the member guests and things like that. And you play head to head in a team event, a best ball and all that. And there's some pressure. And you want to beat those guys. If you've got any competitiveness at all in your body, right. you want to, you want to win. Well, you mentioned the team. I, I, I've always been a team sports guy, you know, that I like playing golf. You and I play together, you know, obviously either I don't do it very often or I don't do it well or actually both. But that's the one thing for me. I love a captain's choice tournament more than just going out and playing my own ball. Maybe it's because I hit a lot better shots when I'm using other people's shots. But <laughs> but I, 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 I like the idea of other people counting on me and me being able to come through for somebody else. Talk to that in, in a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup setting. Well, I, I do think that when we do play the best ball and an alternate shot as well uh, in those formats, in those events, it's it's fun having a partner. But at the same time, boy, if you happen to hit a bad shot behind a tree in a bunker, miss a short putt, now you only not only feel bad for yourself, but you feel bad for your partner. You right. let him and everything. So that that's a little uh, a tough thing to to stomach, I guess you'd say, and to start of the day, you, you just, 
tell your partner you and I are playing, it's, uh, you know, hey, partner, I am trying my hardest and I will give it 100% every shot. Not going to say I'm sorry. It, it, you know, bad shots happen. It, you know, there's really nothing you can do any differently than that. If yeah. you make mistakes, everybody gets that. You just want to try your hardest. But, you know, what you're talking about in, say, a camp captain's choice or something like that, you kind of go for broke almost on every shot. And, right. And I love those events, too. We play those in week-to-week uh, pro-ams. Uh, we might play a shamble where we take a drive, and then everybody plays out from there. And I'm, I always feel like somebody's going to do it on the team. Somebody's going to hit a good shot. And so that kind of relaxes me. And I think they're looking to me to hit good shots, right? Uh, which is great as well. And there's nothing – uh, that I like better in that situation than to see one of my partners hit a good shot under yeah. pressure, see the smile on his or her face and, you know, make a long putt. And the, and the thing about golf is you know, a, a 25 handicapper can make a 30 foot putt, maybe right. not very often. Occasionally they can. And I might, it might take me 25 putts to make a 25 right. foot putt. So, that's the beauty of the game and everybody can play and you get handicaps and things like that. So uh, team golf is wonderful. We don't get to play it very often, but it's certainly one of my favorite formats. All right. Well, take us into, give us a behind the scenes look, take us into the clubhouse on Friday night of the Ryder cup or Saturday night, maybe Saturday night's a little bit more focused Friday night, of the Ryder cup. What's, what's the clubhouse like? Well, it actually starts on Thursday night because the matches okay. are on. Friday That's right. It's a, you know, the serious face that comes on. It, there's there's kind of a balance in here. You want everybody to have fun and you want them to be energetic and all that. If you're making putts, you're having fun. Believe right. me. Hitting good shots, you're having fun. You can be energetic. If you get down, that's when you look to your teammates. Not everybody plays every match. And so you've got guys watching you, uh, not only your playing partner, but uh, the guys who are sitting out the, that session they could be out there watching you play a few holes mm -hmm. and that it, it's sometimes uh, hard enough playing with your, your typical fan out there and your wife right. or whatever it is. But uh, now you've got, I remember at uh, Oak Hill in the nineties, I was uh, one of the Ryder cups and Ben Crenshaw was in my gallery. How about Ben Crenshaw? <laughs> I grew up kind of idolizing Ben and now here he's watching me. I'm like, don't watch me. I want to yeah, watch you. That's so right. that's a little bit different. But as the weekend goes on then, and the, the matches are invariably, it's a point or two separating from the get-go. I mean, right. nobody usually runs away with either, uh, either format, either the best ball or the alternate shot. And now you're Saturday night, and it's individuals on Sunday, and – it, that's as serious as it gets. I think hmm. everybody now, uh, there's no passing the ball. You know, you we're, we're taking every shot. There's hmm. no, uh, you know, in basketball, look, I, I'm just not hitting. I'll set some screens. I'll do this, <laughs> but don't make me shoot. Right. <laughs> you know, in golf, there's no passing the ball on that Sunday. And that, that can be uh, extremely difficult. Hmm. And there's a place to hide again. Yeah. There's no sub to, to, you know, hey, coach, I'm. Uh, I need a breather here. Right. I can't guard this guy. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's the tough day hmm. for sure. Yeah.
Well, it, it's interesting, and this I didn't mean for this to be such a great segue, but it is. Um, you're talking about Sunday and the match play and how serious it gets and how intense it gets. Uh, about seven years ago, 2015, you were the, you were the uh, captain of the President's Cup team. You guys were in South Korea. Uh, it was close. It was tied. It was back and forth all the way through uh, match play. Uh, your son, Bill, was playing on the team. And if I remember right, he was playing uh, Song Moon Bay, who was uh, a, a guy, a young player from South Korea. So he was the hometown hero. And it came down to Bill and his uh, match. Um, you were captain. You were the head coach of the team. Right. But you're also the dad of the guy who is all falling on his shoulder. So talk us through that. Well, first of all, I want to ask you a question. You can address this later, but <laughs> do do basketball players not listen to basketball coaches just like they didn't listen to my my coaching <laughs> in that, that situation? Oh, yeah, that's universal. That's okay. universal. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, Bill being on the team, that was uh, one of my biggest thrills in the game. Be, being the captain of the President's Cup in 2015, ranks right up there with anything uh, in, in my golfing life. Mm -hmm. And to have him on that team was extra special, obviously. Fast forward to that last day when he's in the 12th match. Uh, and to add to the situation, Sang Moon Bay was about to go into his mandatory 21-month stint in the South Korean Army. So oh, yeah. He had delayed that and delayed that and delayed that. And I believe that if you win a major, if you're in a top three of a, of a major or something like that, you you get a pass on that. So he was, you know, grinding to try to make that happen, obviously. Didn't want to give up 21 months of his golfing career. Right. So, you know, the only South Korean on the team, I mean, it was a perfect storm by mm -hmm by far. And with me as the captain and my son in, in the last group, frankly, I thought that we would have had things in hand by that time. And we had gotten to the point where we had uh, 15 points and there were 30 points in the matches. And so we were guaranteed a tie. So it was 15 to 14, but we needed that uh, you know, full, full point. No, I guess we had 14 and a half, excuse me. Okay. And Bill was one up with one to go, ended up, uh, if he has his match, we get the extra point. But, well, anyway, the way, it, the way it played out, if he wins his match, we win the cup. Right. And it was uh, as nervous as I've ever been on a golf course. I was nervous for Bill. I was nervous for the team. I was nervous for myself, things <laughs> like that. But it was uh, it was a pretty magical experience hmm. to, to see that all play out and to see Bill come through. It's it, I could talk all afternoon, all evening about that whole week and what it meant to be in that situation, to have Bill there, have Jan there. It was uh, again the thrill of a lifetime. Could not even imagine the the scenario that played out. Yeah. And, I, you know, I felt bad for Sang Moon. He was, uh, he was devastated. You know, he let his country down, sure. his national team, all that stuff. He didn't really because he played wonderfully to be there and all that. It's just the way it played out. But mm -hmm. it was, 
wow, an unreal experience. And it, at times it seems like it was 50 years ago and other times it seems like it was a yeah. few months. Just, uh, I see it sometimes replayed on the golf channel and it's pretty special. So you were, you were coach and dad then, uh, back up a couple of years. Coaching duties <laughs> at, <laughs> on the back nine, Davis love and Fred couples were okay. two of our assistants. and you can only have one coach, a captain per or, or at a time you can't have three or four of them around sprinkled around the course mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense but that's right. the rule and davis uh, davis love had taken over the captaincy for a while he was uh he was on a par three maybe number 14 13 somewhere in there and so he was hanging with the players as they came through and he talked about what club guys were hitting and things like that but now Bill is the last match. And so Davis said, uh, do you want to take over? Well, the last thing Bill needed for me, for right. me to on the 17th tee of par three and, you know, to have him look me in the eye and well, what am I going to tell him? Right. You know? So I said, Davis, you're doing great. And so we just kind of hung around with everyone. Hmm. The, the great thing that adds to the pressure is, so he's a 12th match. So you've got 11 other players from his team, 11 other players from our team, 11 other caddies from their team, 11 caddies wow. from our, our team, 11, 22 other wives. wives. You know, there's so many people around the green. And then now this add in, you know, eight or 10,000 spectators and everyone knows what the outcome could be. And it was, hmm. as you can imagine, the, the tension uh, involved there, like the yeah. seventh game, like the bottom bottom of the ninth, uh, overtime in hockey, uh, overtime in basketball, whatever it might be, it was uh, a very intense situation. Yeah, but it, it's almost like an overtime in basketball. Everybody else stops playing and just sits down and watch somebody play one-on-one. Yeah, and huh. then imagine overtime with, like you'd said earlier, with one second on the clock and either the game tied or you have a free throw to win it. Uh, yeah. Well, let, let's back up a couple years, and you are just dad. You and Jan are following Bill around at East Lake, and he and Hunter are going at it. And of course, going into the FedEx Cup, the 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 Tour Championship, he was ranked at low twenties, right? right? And so there was. I actually looked it up, and there were like eight things that had to happen just for him to even have a chance to win. It started with him winning the tournament, but then so-and-so had to finish this high and this set this far out of place and all that kind of stuff. And it all came together. Um, talk through that moment as just mom and dad watching their son play and win the, the season long FedEx cup. I think both Jan and I love watching Bill play it or, or, or any of our kids or grandkids. Right. You know, that's just uh, to see, uh, our children doing something that they love to do and doing it well and things like that. Uh, that's uh, that's a pretty cool experience. Uh, no matter what they're doing, playing a piano recital, it, it's just it's just fun to watch. And obviously, with Bill's event being on TV and he and Hunter back and forth uh, at the end there, you know, as Bill was playing the the fourth round to get into that position. Uh, he had a pretty good lead. He had a two or three shot lead with maybe five holes to play. So I think somebody made a birdie. He made a bogey. Then he came to 18, made another bogey. And 
I was disappointed at that point. He was still in the lead, tied for the lead. I was just disappointed for him, not for the bonus and all that. Yeah. Winning tournaments is hard out there. Yeah. And I know how hard that is. And so I felt like he kind of gave it away and was hoping for a playoff. And so in, in that situation, that's what I felt most about, most nervous about is him winning this tournament. I sure I cared about the, the bonus and all that, the FedEx cup, but winning golf tournaments is hard to do. And so against a field of 30 or 29 other players who are the best in the world at that moment, say that for that year, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. And I just remember going to the practice tee waiting. He was waiting for the last couple groups to finish. And he was really mad and really upset, uh, doing a lot of things quickly and everything. And so now here's where the coaching came in, uh, trying to calm him down a little bit and just say, Bill, you know, it, you got a great opportunity here. You know, it, I, if it was me, I knew I wouldn't have wanted to hear what I was saying. But <laughs> so, you know, he kind of calmed down a little bit and ended up making some, uh, a great little putt on the first playoff hole and then hit the famous water shot on the yeah. second play to stay alive and then made a nice putt to win on the third playoff hole. And so I, I remember the, the joy I felt for him mm -hmm. uh, to, to win this tournament and Jay jr. Was on the bag. Uh, Jan was with me. It was uh, another top five event in, in my golfing life that I can say it was uh one of the all-time coolest things that ever happened to me. Well, again, thank you for giving me such a good segue to my next question. Uh, you said two of the top five experiences in your golf life have to do with your kids. Right. Um, and so you guys, you and Jan have, have uh, how long have you guys been married? We have been married 40, coming up on 43 years. 43 years. Wow. And of course, yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but you you have you have five kids. You got two boys and three girls. Um, love your family, and the thing that I've always has always struck me about your children having taught them, coached them, whatever, uh, or even have them come to the house and babysit um, has always been that if 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 you didn't know that they were a professional golfer's kids you wouldn't know that they're professional golfers kids, you know? And, and, and I think even, even with all the accolades that Bill has accumulated, um, Jay Jr. is now teaching at the Haas family golf center, which is, uh, going really well. And, um, even with that, there's still a humility that you guys have passed down, but you're traveling. I mean, I think about young kids and even before kids, uh, of course, I guess Jan traveled with you some before kids, but, um, how old is Jay Jr. now? Is he 40? Yeah, Jay just turned 40. Just yes. turned 40. Yep. My goodness. Ooh. And so, yeah. And so for 40 years, uh, y'all have had kids, right? And so basically, and we just said you've been playing for 40 years. For your entire playing career, for the most part, you've had children. And, you know, unfortunately these days, not many people can say they've been married for 43 years. Happily, um, and to have five kids and now eleven grandkids and your your family, um, talk about because you were traveling a bunch, 
right? right? And 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 still do for various events and and that kind of tournaments and that sort of stuff. Talk about maintaining a marriage and maintaining a family and the the difficulties because there had to be some, right? In doing what you do and yet still trying to love and lead your family. Well, I will say that I've loved being a professional golfer and making a living at playing a game. It's been a, a wonderful career for me and golf's been uh, such a blessing in my life. But the, the bad part is being away. And yeah. we chose, once we started having children, uh, Jan traveled a little bit when we had Jay and then with Jay and Bill, she traveled a little less. And then once Haley came along, it was basically uh, the travel was done and we decided that, you know, she was going to be a stay at home mom and have what uh, a normal uh, hmm. life for them as it could be with me being on the road quite a bit. And I felt like I had to play, I had to work, you know, yeah. I played an average of 28, 29, 30 weeks a year. And that's a way, you know, so yeah. that's a, that's a long, that's a lot of, uh, uh non home time. And yeah. so I, you know, people you, you hear uh, behind every good man or is a great woman and it, it no, no truer in our uh, family than, than in anyone else's Jan is the rock of our family and has allowed me to pursue what I wanted to do and love to do and to pr provide for our family. But uh, without her being uh, such a strong influence on our kids, uh, I, I can't even imagine not having that support at home mm. because I always did. You know, she was my uh, sports psychologist, you know, kicked me in the butt when I needed it, <laughs> pat me on the back when I needed it. Uh, just uh, she wore many more hats than, than I ever did. Dad, right. teacher, whatever, golf professional. So. Uh, it, it's just been uh, amazing. 43 years have gone by so quickly. And uh, I, I th I'm thankful every day uh, for meeting Jan. That was at Hilton Head. 1976 was my first year, excuse me, 1977, my first year uh, as a pro. And we met a chance meeting and Wow. You, did you guys meet at the tournament or were you just down there on vacation? Uh, she was down there with her family. They okay. were a golfing family and was on vacation. She was uh, going to Florida state at the time. And we met, went out on a Saturday night there. Two weeks later was the Tallahassee open where, as we all might know, the Florida state is located in Tallahassee. And so we spent, uh, you know, a good bit of the time there uh, while I was playing in that event. And it was all over for me after that. So <laughs> married about a year and a half later and it's just been uh, one blessing after the other. It's it been so, so exciting, but I just think it takes work from both sides, obviously. It, but uh, you know, a lot of compromise I would suppose, but you know, I'm, I've, Jan did mo most of the compromising, I'd say. She <laughs> allowed me to do do what I what I did. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, hey, let me ask you this question. Um, you are 67, you said. Right. And um, there, there is a – you can see the 
uh, you can maybe see the end from here. I, I, I liken it to this. We were, of course, we're always wanting to take the gospel to the nations. And, uh, you know, Jesus, when given the Great Commission to his disciples, said, take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I can remember um, we were uh, a group. Actually, it was a golf trip, actually. Now think about it. We were. It was a golf and a fishing trip together. And we were uh, leading, taking some guys up to, to do fishing. Uh, fishing in a particular place up in the mountains in this Southeast Asian country and work with a particular people group that served as guides on this pond or lake. And so we're riding in this van way up in the mountains and we're just, I mean, we're nowhere close to civilization. And we got out in this small village and we've been in the van for about four or five hours and I get, we get out, we're stretching and all this kind of stuff. And the guy said, Hey John, is this, uh, is this the ends of the earth? And I said, well, if it's not, we sure can't see it from here. <laughs> so I'm not saying this is the end of your career, but you can probably see the end of your career uh, from here. What are you thinking playing wise? Uh, how much longer do you want to do, do you want to do this? Um, do you have uh, aspirations after you finish playing? Talk about that for a minute. You know, I haven't given myself a finish line, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think that it will just hit me. Uh, maybe when I'm home in the off season this year, next year, whenever that might be, or I'd have a month off from the schedule and just kind of look in the mirror or look at Jan and just say, you know, I, I just, I'm done, you know, yeah. it's over rather than saying, well, this is my last year. And there, I have six or seven more events this year. And, you know, if I don't play very well, who knows, it might be the end. But if I do play well, it could be the end. It'd be yeah. hard to re- it'd be hard to quit if I'm playing pretty well. That's the that's the tough thing about golf. It's there's no manager, owner, uh, team to say we don't want you anymore. So yeah. it, you know, I've been my own boss for so long, and sometimes it's hard to admit when that time is here. I know it's close, and I still play enough good rounds to kind of think that maybe I could still hang on a little bit longer. I don't want to just go to a tournament just to be going to a tournament. If I'm shooting 74s, 5.6s every single round, I'm done. Now, yeah. it might have been three months ago, but uh, you know, I feel like I still have a little bit of golf left. I'm not playing my best at the moment, so I still feel like there's better golf to be played, but I think I'll be okay with it. I yeah. don't want underperform uh, as far as plans after that uh here i go to what i would have done if i didn't play golf or if i stopped it in 43 or four or five right i don't know exactly what will what will happen but uh, with the 11 grandchildren all within 15 or 20 minutes of us yeah there's always something going on there's always a little league game to go to a ballet a piano recital or something and that is very cool uh, for us to to be around to babysit. I mean, it, it's just nothing better to hear Papa and Mama and you know, <laughs> and to help uh, help our grandchildren. That's uh, that's what I have to look forward to, I guess. And the the worst thing, if the worst thing happen is to be home, then I probably should uh, should not go to my next tournament. <laughs> That makes sense. That makes sense. I will go back to something you said, though. You said if I if I'm shooting 74, 75, 76 consistently, it might be time for me to quit. 
while you're saying that, I'm thinking if I'm shooting 74, 75, 76 consistently, I might try out for the tour. <laughs> Perspective, I guess. Well, Persp- there, there's a uh, there's a little higher bar, say. <laughs> than yeah. What you might- yeah. My yeah. M- mine barely gets off the my bar barely gets off the ground. It's a tough league, even on the Champions Tour. Uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, I think the winning score was 17 under par for three wow. rounds ago. That's, uh, That's you know, something. averaging just over 66 a round. I think people have a little bit of a misconception that we play uh, from the so-called senior tees. And very rarely do we play a course less than 7,000 yards. And so that I have my drives are a little shorter than they used to be. And so I'm hitting an extra iron or two into the green. And so when you I'm playing against some guy who hits it 15, 20, 30 yards farther and hitting one, two, and three less clubs into the green, it's just harder to compete. So right. it, I have to pick my spots now, not play uh, some of the courses that are the longest courses. But as any competitor, as you would know, uh, we think we can do anything to sure. you know, get the ball. If you've been successful, you're, you're somebody who wants the ball at the end. And so yeah. I'm no different, and I think I can beat that guy. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, hey, let me ask you one last question. Uh, maybe there's some people that are listening uh, that don't know much about impact sports. Um, maybe they're listening because it's you. Um, but we have our golf tournament coming up on October 4th. Uh, you've been so gracious to help us host that uh, for for years since we started even. And um, so just speak briefly about the tournament or about the just the opportunity that golf gives people to give back and that sort of thing yeah i think that uh, all throughout my career on the pga tour in professional golf uh, and it's continued today there's so many opportunities uh, to raise dollars for different charities uh, in local communities and you know you say we've gotten together uh, 20 years ago and your calling uh, has uh, led you to so many different places wonderful places tough places and I just think that golf has been uh, has given me an opportunity to uh, give back to you, say, and what your uh, calling has been, what your mm-hmm. passion has been. And I think that's that's really important. The people in the audience, uh, there's been so many people that I've seen over the time to- over time that have just repeat uh, customers right. for you. That's pretty cool that they continue to support you. Uh, and the event and in such a great thing that uh, we're, we're all trying to accomplish. So I think that it's been an easy thing for me. Golf, it just lends itself to that. I mean, where yeah. else can they have four or five people in a, in a group and to high five when somebody makes a nice putt and just the, the fellowship that uh, is created during a round of golf and memories that uh, whether it be, uh, you know, you got caught in a rainstorm or right. somebody hit a key and went out of bounds or just something funny, sure. uh, memorable that, that, uh, golf can, can lead to. And again, we can all do it at any age, any level. Uh, it, it's just, uh, it's been a, the game, as I said, has been such a blessing to me in trying to uh, use that to, to help you, uh, help your organization and, uh, again, giving back, golfers seem to to take. You know, hmm. we go to a tournament, we go to Atlanta, we go to Hilton Head, we go to Augusta, Jacksonville, wherever we go, we win. If you play well, you win some money, you leave the town. And yeah. so 
it's easy to feel like, uh, in my case anyway, to feel like I need to give back and uh, giving my time, wherever it might be, is a way to do that and to help those that aren't as fortunate. Hmm. Well, I appreciate that. Jay, I want to thank you for, for joining us uh, today. Um, your example of professionalism and your commitment to honing your craft for so long uh, and your humility, especially something I think we all can learn from. Um, as I accumulated some of the stats for today, I was struck by the longevity of your career. We've talked about that and your longstanding commitment to excellence. And I'm reminded of Paul's words in Colossians 3.23 when he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord. And uh, we can see that in your, your just sustained uh, excellence through the years. So I say all that to say this. Whether you are a professional uh, athlete, a celebrity, or maybe you have 12 followers on Facebook, you still have a circle of influence and you still have a chance to impact people uh, for the kingdom. So thank you, Jay, for being a part of this. Thank you for helping us, uh, like you said, complete the the task and the mission that God's put in front of us. And uh, for you guys listening, um, you may not have, you may not be on TV on the weekends but you still have a circle of influence and people that are counting on counting on you to be who God's designed you to be. So as a reminder, we were going to release uh, a new episode the first and the third Tuesdays of every month. If you're brand new to the podcast, go back and check out episode number one so you can learn a little bit more about Impact Sports, what we do, and most importantly, while we do it. I'll also mention the fact that our golf tournament, again, is October 4th. Uh, registration closes on September 23rd. So if you have a foursome that would like to play, uh, you can check us out at impactsportsonline.org slash golf. Impactsportsonline.org slash golf. We hope to see you on the 4th. Please share this podcast with anyone you think may be interested. Subscribe to this wherever you get your podcast. Rate us and follow us on social media. And we'll see you next time on I Say All That to Say This.